0: Hi, best friends. I'm Tabby. And I'm Caitlin. And today we will be celebrating our first Christmas together at the book oh my club. God. Merry Christmas. Happy March, Miss. Happy marchmas everybody. We're talking about the novella in the Akatar series, A Court of Frost and Starlight by Sarah J. Mass. It's a beautiful little Christmas special. Also known as A Very Acatar Christmas. So yeah, we're just going to kind of jump right into a synopsis of this little, little thing for you. It's so much shorter than the actual like novels in the series. The best money grab that I've ever read in my life,
1: if I'm being wholly <laughs> honest. <laughs> so kicking us off. So the cool thing about this book is that it is written from multiple points of view this time around. So we start off with Feyre, our bestie. Um, so winter has come in Volaris. Um Reese and Thera have been really busy, you know, solidifying all the relationships between the different courts, um, rebuilding their world after Highburn. Um, super cool. It starts off kind of the same way the first book does. You see a lot of like parallels between the two. It's winter. It's snowing. But this time she's not starving to death. Um, Elaine is- Love that for her. What growth. (laughs) Um, so Elaine's living in the townhouse still, but Nesta, our bestie, has moved out. She's living in the slums of Lars if there is such a thing. Um, there is (laughs) right by um so Lucian is living in an apartment by the river. So the gang has split up like there's a lot of discord between the two of them or three of them. Um, Fair has been trying to volunteer her time to help the people of Belarus after the last attack on Highburn. You remember they attacked the rainbow and kind of just broke everything down, like busting in the windows of like all the shops. Um, But they all told her to go home
0: and enjoy the solstice because it's Christmas. Yeah. And it's really similar to like <laughs> in the second book when she's like, yeah. Please let me help. And they're like, go away. You've done enough. And she's like, oh, I'd rather not. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't love that. Um, so the next part is from Reese's perspective. So Reese and Cassian are visiting the Windhaven War Camp. Um, that's the camp that Lord Devlin is in charge of. So they've been working really hard to make sure all the female Illyrians have the same right to train and become warriors as the males. But a lot of the war camps are pushing back against that because it's they're super, like, conservative in their beliefs, and they're resistant to change. Um, So Reese is feeling the pressures of everything that needs to be healed after the war. He is just like, we as a court of dreams, like my family and friends, we are going to celebrate the winter solstice together. Like, I don't care what you're doing, cancel your plans, you're coming to my house. And he's also still like really struggling with feelings of guilt. He feels bad that like he and Feyre are happy together. He's like, I'm not allowed to feel happy because not everyone in my life is happy, and it's you that know sad. It is. It's sad. <laughs>
1: Yeah. So the third point of view we get in this book is Cassian, um, which is brand new to us. We love that. We haven't really gotten to see anything from Cassian's point of view ever. Um, So he is staying at the Windhaven camp for the next couple of days before he has to come back for winter solstice. Um, And he is staying there because he's deeply in his feels for Nesta. Don't know why. (laughs) Who would? Um, And Nesta is, you know, ignoring him and everyone else because she's a bitch. Um, so he decides to fly over Ramiel, which is that sacred mountain. They talked about it a little bit, I think in the second book, um, which is where they get to do the blood rite for the Illyrian camps. Um, and him Reese or yeah, he Reese and Asriel, um, did their blood rite together. So it's very, um, like monumental to him. Um, so the right is a week long trial where all the Illyrian, um, warrior novices are basically dropped in a mountain with no, um, weapons like they can't use any magic Um, their wings are like tied together so they can't like fly away um, and the goal is to basically like fight each other until they reach the top of the mountain there's like multiple like levels that you can get to but you want to touch the stone at the top of the mountain to become an Illyrian warrior at the end of the week so you're just trying to survive um, the obstacles really are the fact that everyone's trying to kill you so they kind of mentioned that a lot of like tribes or whatever will like take out their revenge during this time um and so like you gotta watch your back basically and like if you remember in the second book like Cass, reese and asriel um were like highly sought after in this whole little battle because they're super powerful um but anyway, so he lands on another mountain nearby and that used to be the village where he was born and he had to come back when he was strong enough um, and he burned it to the ground for the way they treated his mom. So he's having a little flashback to when he found out about his mother and super sad to get to see a little point of view from Cassie inside. He's dealt with a lot of trauma and um, being raised, you know, homeless and a bastard child. Yeah, pretty,
0: pretty depressing. So then we switch back to Miss Farah's point of view. She's taking a walk through the rainbow of Valaris, and people are like kind of going about their holiday stuff. They're decorating, and there's shoppers going around buying stuff. But Farah is still haunted by the memory of the attack on Valaris when Highburn came and she defended this artist's quarter. Um, so she kind of walks up to one of the buildings that's still damaged from that. and like someone pops up behind her and is like don't worry like the occupants got got out in time and so she turns to face the woman who's talking to her and she recognizes her as um, one of the fairies who was also defending the rainbow that day and so Farah kind of points at another building next to it and she's like what about that one Um, and she's like well that lady actually wasn't so lucky and so she's like, actually that building's for sale now. And Farah's like, uh, <laughs> I don't need it. Like, no, that's not why I'm asking. And so the the lady introduces herself. Her name is Racina. And she says, Really? Cause there's like a rumor that you're a really good artist. And so I think you could like use the space, you know? And Racina points out a studio down the street and tells Farah, like, that's my studio where I paint, like, come paint with me sometime. And Farah's like, thank you. Like that means, oh. <laughs> thank you.
1: <Sure>. So <laughs>
0: then Farah continues going, cause she went out like to go Christmas shopping or sorry, <laughs> solstice shopping Whoa. and, um, more kind of just, like notices she's out, so she comes up to talk to her, and she's like, "By the way, bestie, we are going to the Hewn City tonight, and Eris will be there." So pharaoh's like, mm, "That doesn't sound fun, but okay." Like gross,
1: like on Christmas, okay. <laughs> um, so then we get Morgan's point of view, and um, so they are at the Hewn City, and we do get quite a bit of um, flashback from more to when she was, you know, stabbed in the stomach with a nail and dropped into the woods to die and, um, yeah. next to the deal. autumn court. Yeah, a super fun family event. <laughs>
0: um,
1: so she's remembering back to when Eris found her lying there and he ordered everyone not to touch her. Otherwise she'd become his responsibility. Um, Eris had asked more if she wanted to live in the autumn court and he saw in her eyes that the answer was no. Um, so he left her there, which... Mm, we'll get back to that because yeah. I think some more happened. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so we do get a little backstory from Moore's point of view. We've heard her tell this story at least 12 times, I feel like at this point. Um, but we get it from her perspective. And so then favor tells Eris that Baron is not to step one foot into the human lands not even a singular toe um and Eric suggests <laughs> have a toenail know, not one toenail baron um and then he suggests that they let Tamlin know since his court is the one that borders the human territory I'm like oh Tamlin forgot about yeah. you bud
0: yeah and the mention of Tamlin is it's got everyone on edge a little bit like, but <laughs> the next part is from Rhysanne's perspective so Asriel pays him a little visit and he lets him know he has some intel about which of the Illyrian camps are like spreading discontent with the way that Reese is running things, Um, specifically like (laughs) being a feminist. They don't like that. So Reese tells Asriel, like, just keep an eye on that and keep an eye on the human queens because they are still like they haven't left their palace and they haven't really heard anything from them. Um, Asriel tells Reese that Vasa and Jerrion are still like with Grayson, but Vasa will eventually have to return back to the lake, like where her, her captor is. Um, for some reason, she's gotten a bit of an extension on her, her vacay. <laughs> Um We don't know why, but yeah, she's still thriving for now. And um, it's revealed that Lucian is now the human emissary for the night court. Um, he, as of right now, he's supposed to be spending solstice in the spring court. Tamlin invited him there. And so Reese tells Azriel, like, I'll pay a visit to the spring court and like discuss all of this stuff with Lucian. And then like also kind of talk to Tamlin about his borders being insecure right now. Just like him, his borders are also insecure. <laughs> the most insecure man and territory <laughs> in the entire, in all of Prithian. And all of Prithian. Absolutely.
1: Um, so then we hop back to Cassian. So he is still um, with the Illyrians. Um, he has um, entered a shop. He was looking for a, a man, a male, named Proteus. A male, um, if you will. And he is, you know, immediately talked to you by this female who he can tell her wings have been clipped like basically all the other women. Illyrians. Um, and she responds saying that she is his daughter and that he died in the war and Cassian is basically like good <laughs> like good yeah. for clipping your wings. Um, she introduces herself as Emery. Um, they kind of have a little heart to heart and Cassian buys all the winter gear from her shop and pays her to deliver those in need because you can tell no one's in her shop because she is a lady and Illyrians suck and they don't respect her.
0: Yeah. So he buys
1: all of her
0: stuff. Real messed up. Um. So then we're back to Miss Farrah's perspective. Reese asks her if she wants to go to the spring court with him, but she's like, hard pass. Um. No, thank you. So she decides like that kind of upsets her. Just like the fact that- Really hurt my feelings. You know, yeah. It, like, it hurt her feelings that like he would even ask. No, I'm just kidding. She just <laughs> is still like, things are still touchy with like that part of her life. So She gets in her feels and she wants to go paint. Um, She feels too nervous though. Like her plan was to go to Rosina's studio because she'd invited her. And so she shows up with all of her painting supplies outside the building. And she is like, no, I'm not ready for this. So she actually winnows inside Paulina's old abandoned gallery and she starts painting and she ended up painting a portrait of herself as she appeared in the Ouroboros, which was like as a horrifying monster. some She-beast. <laughs> um, so then we're back to Reese. So he
1: has gone to visit Tamlin um, in the Spring Court. and he finds him all alone, as he should be, in his manner, looking a fool. He looks so tired and sad and dejected. Um, <laughs> and Reese tells Tamlin that he needs to enforce the border to protect the humans from the fae. Tamlin's just like, I don't have any sentries left. What are you talking about? Like your wife fucking took them all. <laughs> like <laughs> been there, done that. Um Reese, so then Reese like, is, oh, isn't she a force? Oh. <laughs> um, so then Reese is like, fine, like I will send you some night court sentries. And Tamlin was like, No, like I don't want your fucking help. Like, absolutely not. Gets really pissy at him, goes off on him. Um, and he's like, Look, man, you fucked up, like these are the consequences, like. You should have been a better boyfriend, should have been a better male than me. He's like, You earned it. You're being really pathetic because he kind of is, but I also feel kind of bad for him because he is all alone. I do. He (laughs) obviously obviously needs a
0: support system. Okay. So then we go back to Farrah's perspective. Cassian comes home from Windhaven and Farrah's like, oh my God, I missed you. So they get really wine drunk and they decorate the house for <laughs> solstice. It's super cute. Azrael walks in though, and he's like, this place looks awful. Um, so Elaine is in the kitchen helping Nawala and Caredwin prepare dinner. And Feyre's like, hey, like, do you know, does Nesta plan to come tonight? And Elaine's like, pissy. And she's like, no, like she, I don't think she's coming. And so Feyre's like, what happened earlier? Because Elaine had gone to see her earlier that day, but Elaine like, doesn't want to talk about it. So Farah and Elaine are serving dinner. And then Azriel kind of comes over to help and like take something from Elaine. And Elaine gets all tense and weird and like excuses herself from the room, Um. Cassian tried to start eating, but Azriel got really weird and was like, no, we need to wait until everyone's seated at the table to start eating. sarah kind of speaks down the bond to Reese in her mind. And she was like, what was that about? And Reese says that Azriel sometimes gets sensitive when things remind him of how his mother was treated because she was a servant who was basically closer to being a slave and she was treated really poorly. So every once in a while, it just like gets to him so um (laughs) they also decide that it'd be good dinner conversation to talk about like now that amarin is in a new body she actually has to shit and uh so elaine (laughs) is like (laughs) it's a really fun dinner conversation yeah um elaine's like amarin why did you choose the body that you're in and amarin's like well just because like women are hotter than men um true and she. (laughs) Elaine is like, so like, can you change it now that you're in that body? And Amarin's like, there's no going back to being a human Elaine. And Elaine is like, I don't even know what you're talking about. That's it's not like, what I was asking. Okay. Yeah. And she gets really defensive. So after that dinner, um, Feyre decides to go and seek out Nesta to like confront her about why she didn't come over, but she isn't at her house. So Feyre like, okay, I guess that means she's out at some CD bar. So she shows up at a bar called the Wolf's Den and Nesta's there. She's just playing cards with a few men. besties. <laughs> and besties. Yeah, besties. Um, Feyre walks over and she tells the men to go away. And Nesta's like, hey, those were, those are my friends. Feyre's <laughs> like, why didn't you come to dinner? And Nesta's like, as I told Elaine, you have your lives and I have mine. And Feyre is like, okay, well, please at least, like, come to Solstice because, like, it would make Pharaoh really sad for her. Nesta to not be there, but, she, like, she knows it would make Elaine even sadder. So Nesta is like, my rent is due soon. And Pharaoh's like, okay, well, come over for Solstice and I'll pay your rent for you.
1: You dumb bitch.
0: Goes, yeah. Messed up.
1: And um, then we have, like, a super short chapter from Rhysanne's point of view. <laughs> so, basically he, um, asks more if she will go to the continent to like renegotiate treaties because if you remember like you had like Montessaire and like all the Rask like all those continents and stuff um and she needs to make sure that they're not threatening the human lands because like we didn't really ever hear anything again about like what went down with them like after they sabotaged their involvement with Highburn so
0: now more is going over to make sure everything's cool yeah Fera and Elaine go out gift shopping together and Pharaoh sees this like gorgeous tapestry and it's woven out of this material that is so black it like devours the light around it and then there's like an insignia in the middle made out of a thread that looks like woven starlight it's like a silvery thread so she sees the weaver who made it and she's like what is this like this is horrifying and beautiful And so the weaver tells her the fabric is called void. And she made it when her husband didn't return from the war. And that like really sobers Feyre. She's like, oh (laughs) shit. Um, That could have been me. That like could have been Reese. It was almost Reese. And so Elaine is like, what is the silver thread called? And the weaver says it's called hope. And she made that after she made the void. And so Feyre is like, I want to buy that. And she bought the tapestry for herself. Um, she later returns to that abandoned building to do some more painting, and Rosina walks in to clean, because she's been taking care of it uh, since Paulina died, and Rosina is like, hey, F- Paulina's family lives here, like, if you want to go ask about buying this building, and Pharaoh's like, no, 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 like, no, I couldn't. She feels so guilty, and so she walks outside, and Reese is there, and he's like, why do you look so suspicious right now? And Pharaoh's like, do you think it would be a good idea to, like, open a studio and teach other people to paint? And, of course, he's a supportive king, as always, and he's like, that's a great idea. Why, like, why do you I'm even right, do Of
1: course, you can have whatever you want
0: to. Yeah, he would literally give her anything in the world, and she's just, like, so worried that the answer should be no. And... So Feyre then goes to Amron's apartment and's like, hey, have you heard from Nesta? Amron says, yeah, Nesta does come by and talk to me. And I think Feyre is a little disappointed to hear that because Nesta is only seeking out Amorin. She's not seeking out either of her sisters or Cassian or anyone else, but she's willing to kind of like understand that. Um, and then Amarin's like, yeah, like I'm not gonna talk to you about her. I don't want to betray her trust. So Farrah's I'm like, really big move, but like, okay. <laughs> I know, I know. Like, I guess you kind I of I get it. It's it's tough. Like
1: that's a tough situation. Yes. So then we flip back to Rhysand. Um, so everyone except for Nesta arrives at the townhouse on Solstice Eve to begin their festivities. She's a little ho. Um, Feyre is like super bummed, but Reese reminds her that she invited Nesta for tomorrow so she still might come
0: because he is our little ray of optimism. Um, except whenever Nesta- it has anything to do with himself, then he's yeah, then absolutely he's, a pessimist. He's like a super sad boy. <laughs> yeah. He's emo. He's an emo yeah, boy. He's going through his emo phase. I fell in love with an emo boy. <laughs> so then we're back to Farrah. Um, Another short Reese chapter. <laughs> I know. I feel like I keep getting like these lengthy little, little <laughs> sections here, but so Farah, she wakes up, it's solstice and it's also her birthday. So she rolls over and Reese is like showering her with birthday gifts he got her this sketchbook, a scarf, and a new satchel for her painting supplies. And Feyre is like, hey, I want to draw you nude. And so <laughs> then she like That's starts cool. to fill up her new sketchbook. And he's like, absolutely, yes. So then Reese, Azriel, and Cassian go to participate in their holiday tradition, which Feyre is not yet familiar with. Um, So she kind of goes upstairs to look through the budget just to see, like, could I buy this studio? And she realizes, yeah, I could, (laughs) but she feels really guilty. A million of them. Yeah. Um, So she goes to the kitchen and Elaine is baking some stuff. Elaine asks Feyre if she's heard anything from Nesta and then uh, there's a knock at the door. So they both get really excited thinking that it's Nesta, but they open it and it's just Lucian looking awkward. (laughs) Um, (laughs) so Lucian is like, Hey, so yeah. (laughs) And they're just kind of making small talk. And he's like, yeah, when I'm not here or at the spring court, I've been staying with Jurian and Vasa, and he's working as a, the human emissary there. And so he tells them that Vasa and Jurian, they have the same vision, but they kind of butt heads on what they're going to do to make that vision happen. Elaine is feeling uncomfortable. She kind of leaves the room and Lucian asks Feyre how Elaine's doing. Feyre tells him like, look, she was super in love with Grayson. She needs time. She's mourning the loss of this relationship. And she tells Lucian he should come stay in the townhouse with them for a couple weeks and spend time with Elaine. And Lucian is, he's kind of like on edge from this conversation Um, and he's explaining, I stay with Jerry and Mvasa because we're all exiles. Like Tamlin decided to kick me out again. And he's super uncomfortable staying at the night court because Elaine like can hardly even look at him and he hates having Reese pay for anything. So Lucian is like, you know what? I'm going to leave. Um, and he actually, he brought them gifts for Solstice. So he's like, this one's for you and that one's for Elaine. He's a sweet pea. None for so- Nesta though. Oh yeah, none for Nesta. She doesn't deserve it. She- you know what? She gets a lump of coal this year. Pharaoh goes back to Elaine. She's like, hey, Lucian left, just so you know. And she's like, maybe you could like try talking to him. Elaine gets pissy at the thought. And Pharaoh's like, I'm sorry. It's just like, I don't want to see either of you unhappy. And so she goes back out to like the living room area and (laughs) more is immediately offering her a drink because she's a lush and she's like, Hey, I recommend like staying out of it because neither of them are ready for it. And because Moore
1: deserves was, to give all the relationship
0: advice in the world. Yeah, more would know. huh? <laughs> so then Moore's like, let's go do something fun. So she winnows Farah like up to where the cabin is where Farah like, you know, painted all the walls and stuff. And she's like, here's what the boys are up to. They're having a massive snowball fight. Like, with snow forts and all sorts of, like, um, elaborate, <laughs> like, things. The
1: cutest thing I've ever read in my life.
0: <laughs> it's very wholesome. They have, like, rules to it. They're not allowed to use magic. and so- It's like the blood rite, but it's a snowball yeah. fight. <laughs> so then Moore and Feyre just go inside while the boys just, like, have their little time together. That night, they all gather back at the townhouse for their solstice party. They're like, happy birthday, Feyre, and they bring her a cake, and it's really cute. It's decorated like the drawers were that Feyre painted for her and her sisters. And they're just starting to get into presents when Nesta knocks at the door. Feyre lets her in. It's super tense and uncomfortable, but they resume their gift exchange, and Nesta just kind of sits there awkwardly. Literally, the only person who gave Nesta a gift was Elaine. (laughs) Um, It was... It was an uncomfortable evening. But when the night's over, Pharaoh kind of meets Nesta at the doorway to give her her money for the rent. and Pharaoh's hoping like that she won't take it, but she does, and she doesn't even say a word. She just takes the money and walks out the door. So Pharaoh's like standing there, feeling dejected. And Cassian just like pushes her gently to the side and storms out the door after Nesta. Yeah. So then we get Cassian's point of view
1: and he's like, absolutely. Fuck that nonsense. Like we're not doing that. And so he like is like, Nesta, I'm going to walk you home. I don't care what you say. Like I'm taking you home. And she was like, no, no, (laughs) like not doing that. And he like he's like yep no I am so he follows her um, and he hands her a present that has taken him so long to find like he has been working very thoughtfully on this gift for her and um she refuses it and she was like no I don't want a single thing from you specifically you which is bullshit but whatever oh yeah um so Cassian tells her that he's tired of playing games with her and she argues that um she doesn't even want to be here like she's like then don't like no one asked you to do that basically and he was like are you Are you joking right now? Like yeah, after all we've been through, um. So his anger kind of falters, and he like is begging her to talk to him. Um, tells him tells him to leave her alone because like he can tell she is not in a good headspace. Like she's drinking, she's going out all the time. Like just looks like she's like death on legs. Um, I I think he's just very scared for her, for her safety, and like you know her mental well being. Um, so after she tells him basically to frick off, he doesn't follow her home and just like. Like, chucks her gift into the Sidra, watches it sink to the bottom. Yeah, which is really
0: sad. Really sad for Cassie wow. I hated that chapter. I know it really hurt my feelings. But then we shift to Nestor's, <laughs> wow, Nestor. Nestor. N- <laughs> N- N- <laughs> N- then we <laughs> shift to Nesta's perspective. Listen, I am mad at her, but this chapter is, it's fucked up. You're like, oh, damn. She gets back to her house. She locks like four locks on the door and she just kind of slides down the wall and sits on the floor. She's freezing. The house is so cold, but she can't light a fire because the sound of wood crackling triggers her PTSD mm. because to her, when she hears the wood crackle in the fire, it sounds like her father's neck being snapped by the king. And so she was literally just sitting there in silence and it's awful. Then the silence in that book was deafening. <laughs> yeah was saying a lot um
1: so then we return back to Farah's point of view so um Reese windows Farah to the cabin after everyone's gone to bed for their own little private solstice celebration (laughs) (laughs) and so Farah asks Reese to change the tattoos on her palms um, from the eyes to the nightcore insignia so that she matches the ones that are on his knees I think that's really cute Um, makes me want to get tattooed knees and so the next morning and they returned to volaris and reese shows favorite rehearsals his gift and he bought a whole estate along the sidra um it was from one of the families i think they vacated it um mm-hmm. and he purchased it so that they could build their dream home there
0: yeah it's super cute how so cute okay so we're back to reese now his perspective and he decides to go back to the spring court and tell Tamlin, like, hey, Summer Court can lend you soldiers instead, because Tamlin didn't want night court soldiers on his territory because he's a little bitch. And Tamlin's like, I don't care about that. Do you think Pharaoh will ever forgive me? <laughs> <laughs> and Reese is like, fuck your problems anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Reese is like, do you want her to forgive you? And he's like, do I deserve it? And Reese in his mind is like, "No, no, you um, silly goose." So Tamlin's like, "Reese, do you forgive me for what I've done to you?" And Reese is like, "Hey, bestie, I don't recall you ever saying sorry." So exactly what I said. I know, I know. We we'll have apologized. Yeah, loser. So yeah, Reese is just kind of like Tamlin. Take care of yourself. Like we can't afford to have you dying right now. So I'll I'll check in with you later. And he just leaves. It's like Tamlin, God bless you and
1: your broken soul. I'll be back, I guess.
0: Yeah, I'll be back to make sure you're alive.
1: <laughs> Doesn't like jump off the roof of the estate. <laughs> He'd be fine though. He's <laughs> like <be> fine. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, we flash back to precious, precious more. Um, so after the solstice, she is like, I need to really clear my head here and <laughs> she has this whole journey coming up um and it's a really important one. Well, anyway um so she has this whole <laughs> i hate her so much um, okay. Okay. sorry um so she has this whole secret estate it's called Athelwood, um, and she's apparently just had it for three <laughs> she's really
0: <laughs> sorry <laughs> wow okay i need to take like two deep breaths and i'm good
1: (laughs) um she's had this estate for 300 years unbeknownst to literally everyone else um so she's having this whole internal debate about going to the continent for reese she really wants to and she knows um that she probably needs to for him, but she also knows it's gonna upset Hasriel and Cassie and for her to go off on her own because she cares so much about their well-being and mental health. Um, anyway, there's like fucking ghosts or something like on this whole property. Also a bunch of horses. Moore's a horse girl. Um no rhyme reason to this estate. I don't really know why we talked about it. But yeah so um more has a haunted estate with a bunch of horses. Yeah. Oh,
0: I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry for losing it there. Um, that's very unprofessional of me. Um, but yeah, so we go back to Farah, we leave, we leave the demonic forest and her cute little ponies behind. And we're back to Farah's perspective. She went to see Polina's family to purchase the, the building. And they're just like, you know what? We're actually just going to give this to you. And we want you to take that money that you were going to use to buy it and donate that to this like specific charity that um, is basically for artists who can't afford supplies. So she asks for the starving children of Volaris, but that's, <laughs> yeah, they're like, who cares about like the, the war ravaged lands? We need to donate this to the artists, <laughs> which no shade, like we love artists. <laughs> It's just funny, like given the circumstances, um, their daughter literally died in war and they were like, you know what? <laughs> Make sure you buy those little tots, their own paintbrushes. So Farah's like, hey, Racina, like, will you be business partners with me? Because I don't know how to do this on my own. And Racina agrees because she's a sweetheart.
1: Um, so we flip back to Rhysand again, um, and Reese and Cass have returned to the Wind or to Windhaven, not the Windhaven, um, and they see that there's a small amount of girls training, and so the land is healing, the girls are training, <laughs> and peace has come upon the land. Um, so Cassian has learned that there's a large amount of descent coming from the Ironcrest camp, um, which is a rival of Windhaven, because apparently the Illyrians do nothing but fight each other constantly they just can't be happy or peaceful so now he has to deal with that yeah there's
0: a lot of like um dick swinging contests they're just like all bunch of savages yeah they're horrible to each other and to everyone else honestly like they're (laughs) they might be worse to each other than they are to others honestly Um, so we go back we end the the novella from Feyre's perspective A month has passed, and Farah and Rosina open the doors to their new studio. They're hosting their very first painting class, which is completely free to all of the students. Farah is like, they are going to have, like, all the supplies that they need provided to them. They will never have to pay a single penny. And she just wants them to learn how to paint. And... And it turns out to be very therapeutic for these children, because like she, the first prompt is she tells them to paint a memory, and one of the children (laughs) paints a a horrible, like bloody battle scene. She's like, "These Um, are my parents." (laughs) Yeah, and I'm an orphan. (laughs) So, (laughs) Farah, like, she wraps up the class, and Reese comes to like meet with her to ask how it went, because he's a little sweetie pie, and. Like, they just kind of walk home together and they have a sweet little moment. And they're like, I love you so much. Like, I'm so grateful for you. And they just walk home together, just happy and in love. And that's how our novella ends.
1: Oh, I forgot to mention, like, the super cringy sex scene.
0: It's fine. Oh, okay. We're going to talk more about that in part two. Stay we are going to talk more about that. Yeah, I think I just didn't write it down because it upset me so much. But yeah, we will talk about that. Um, unfortunately, since we had to suffer through it, so just so rest do of you. you, yeah.
1: But that wraps up part one. Come check out part two. We're gonna dive a little bit deeper into the novella, break it down for you. And as always, let's get lit.